0: John noticed some ringing in his ears that uh, grew louder and louder to the point where he um, couldn't take it anymore. It was unbearable. And um, he went to several doctors to try and get it diagnosed. And they told him it was an incurable condition called tinnitus. And on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst uh, of that condition, he ranked it as 9.5. That's getting pretty close to 10. And um, one day he flew to Atlanta to meet with one of the nation's best tinnitus doctors. And the reason why this doctor was one of the best is because he had the same condition. He had been struggling with tinnitus, and he was living through it. And so he could identify with um, what John was going through. And so he fitted John with a custom-fitted earpiece that was designed to create uh, a competing noise, you know, uh, that helps drown out that constant freight train sound in his head. Uh, and the doctor admitted to, to John, you know, John, this really isn't going to help much <laughs> with your extreme case. That's always encouraging, right, to hear that from a doctor. But the doctor was very wise in that he, he explained the thing, the best thing that John could do was to serve others. In the midst of the freight train noise that rang throughout his head constantly, he said, John, a way to get through this is to serve other people. It's a way to forget about the pain that you're going through. So John did that. He, you know, John was a follower of Christ. He he had his time with God consistently, but he um, He started a life group at his church. He began pouring into others besides spiritually, investing in other people. He and his wife adopted a single mom and her kids to help them climb out of a very bad situation. And John said all the time that the buzzing, you know, the freight train sound going through his head, you know, he said it's as bad as it's ever been. But he said, you know something, it doesn't bother me like it used to. He says, I've never been closer to God than I am right now. And this morning, I, I the reason why we talk about John is that nothing changed uh, with John's condition, with tinnitus, but something happened on the inside. And today, uh, we're going to be looking at Habakkuk. Nothing happened differently. Nothing changed around him on the outside, but on the inside, something changed with Habakkuk. And you might be in a situation right now, man, that's, you know, you're in this valley, you know, dark valley. And that dark valley, man, stuff, circumstances may not change, but I'm telling you, God can change your inside. He can work on your inside so that you will have the strength, the presence of God to be able to walk through it and come out of that valley. And so let's go to Habakkuk, and, um, and uh, man, I pounded this a little bit last week, you know, um, uh, the importance of bringing your Bibles to church, man. I, I think, I think um, it's a good habit to get into, number one, uh, today is the first day of a brand new week, and I think by bringing your Bible to church, you're sending a message to your brain saying... This word, this Bible, is a priority in my life, and I'm going to read it every day this week. I just think it's a good catalyst. If we leave our Bible at home, it's easy to leave it at home throughout the week, right? So so let's pick it up. We're already in Habakkuk 3, starting at verse 1. The subtitle, the title to this chapter is Habakkuk's Prayer. And we left him in the watchtower in chapter 2, and I I believe he's still there. And this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works in this time of our deep need. Help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Uh, Let's just hit that word anger. I I get it where people freak out when they think that God's angry. But you have to put it in context because hundreds of years, God has been sending people to this nation of Israel, to Judah, to encourage them to come back in their relationship with God. They had been sidetracked with all these neighboring idols and worshipping all these other idols and and they their their culture had changed to great violence and corruption. That's what happens when you leave God out. But when you read that word anger, it's a it means righteous anger. It means God and his holiness. God in his holiness had to respond because he's a just God. Okay? So it's not, I remember my dad. And I, I did something in school. It was stupid and, and my attitude stunk. And so the teacher sent a letter home with me. So today they would send an email to make sure it got home. But she sent a letter with me to give to my parents, which which told a story about what I did in school that day. And I remember my mom reading it, and she held it till about 9 o'clock at night. And I thought I was so smart I could distract my mom from presenting that letter to my dad it didn't work and so my dad had this uh, this chair that he sat in and so my mom went into the living room and handed him the letter and she told me to come out there so I sat in a opposite chair and I, I saw my dad's face as he read this letter And And then finally, after my mom contributed to the letter, uh, he said, I can't take this anymore. And in anger, we went into his bedroom, and he disciplined me. So I I saw somebody who was very calm at the time, but then just kind of, you know, blood pressure spike, get in the bedroom, and he took care of business. You ever have that happen to you? This is not God, you know? This is not God where he's sitting in a chair and and Jesus comes by and says, look at this mess down there. And, and, oh, I didn't realize it. And Jesus starts unloading all what's going on. He says, I can't take it anymore, you know? No, that's not God. And aren't you glad for that? So... So verse 3 on the front end, Habakkuk says, I see God moving. I see God moving. So we've been been looking at Habakkuk through the first two chapters of his questioning and doubting God and and looking at Judah and, God, why aren't you dealing with the sins of our people here? It seems like uh, bad people get away with everything and good people are struggling. It's not right. It's not fair. And, and God listened to him and, and God answered him and said, Yeah, man, I, I, Habakkuk, chill out. I've been watching this. I've got Babylon on standby to come in and deal with you and your people, Judah. They're, they're going to judge this nation. And, and then that blew up Habakkuk again because he said, Man, they're worse than we are. God says, I know that. I'm also going to judge Babylon. I've got it all under control, Habakkuk, just like he has your situation all under control. He's not absent, he's not, he's not unaware of what you're going through. And so now we come to chapter three. And number one, in your, on the back of your program, you can track with us this morning. And um, uh, number one, Habakkuk changed. Habakkuk changed. And I kind of hit that on the front end already, that Habakkuk, um, he, his, his circumstances, Judah had not got any better, Babylon has not been destroyed, all of this is in the works, but something happened to Habakkuk on the inside. Before we get there... Um, And graham Lotz, uh, as you know, is Billy Graham's daughter. And she's just been recently diagnosed with cancer as well. And you'd think, man, why? We live in a broken world. It's another example. We live in a broken world that's crying out because sin from the inside out is pushing this planet apart. She said, one of the things that God has impressed on me is that we are living at the end of human history as we know it. In light of this, he had given me some practical assignments. One of was to be the honorary chair for the National Day of Prayer, 2014, and she is again now. He gave me the the message I was to deliver, which was from Joel 1, the day of the Lord is at hand. It was a message warning that judgment is coming. This parallels Judah, by the way. This is, this, so we're in 2018. Uh, 2,600 years ago, God was saying that judgment is coming to Judah. Do you see the parallel? Do you see it? You can nod your head or say yes or no, whatever, you know. Um, please be assured that there's no other agenda in this initiative. This is not about promoting anything or anyone. This is all about calling God's people together to pray before it's too late and judgment falls on our nation. A phrase, I don't know, that kind of smacks you in the face is before it's too late. Um we pray for God's mercy. Uh, and Graham Lott said, we need God to do something before it's too late. I mentioned this last week, you, you need to take a tour of Washington, D.C. and just walk through our national buildings and see Bible verses and quotes about God all throughout the, the capitol. And so the question is, where is God? Why has God been pushed out of our country when it's smacked right in the middle of our founding, Hmm? where Bible, prayer, Ten Commandments, religious free speech, all been vacuumed out of our public school system and in our public arena, and that in turn has impacted moral issues as well, where you just see... The foundations that we've had as a country are being destroyed. Right before our eyes. And so the same thing with Judah, that God said, I, I've been I've been attempting to get their attention, but they keep ignoring me, they keep pushing me away. And so they've left me no other choice but judgment. And with America, friends, we are. We are facing judgment. We deserve judgment. I I could go through a whole bunch of stuff and you would say, oh, man, we sure do. But God has been merciful. And that's where we need to be praying. And that's where Habakkuk was doing the very same thing. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And Habakkuk realized that as well. Um, so, what happened to Habakkuk? How did he change? Because we can identify with him because we're li- really living in the same situation that he did. So, what changed? Why, instead of just dumping on God over and over again and dumping all the doubts and questions on him, Habakkuk, it seemed like he settled it in, in chapter 3 here. He settled it. So he, was, he was okay He he realized that God had it all under control. God was God. Habakkuk wasn't. Therefore, he had a rest in the fact that God knows what he's doing. The people were still mocking God. They were still violence in the streets. The Babylonians were still on the agenda to... Judge Judah, it was nothing changed. On the outside, everything was the same. John Maxwell put it this way he, he wrote, Once Habakkuk grasps God's leadership of the world, he can lead with confidence and poise. He once felt perplexed, now he has peace. He once felt confused, now he has contentment. He once felt fearful, now he has faith in the future God has planned. The only thing that changed, question mark? His perspective. His perspective. And um, I say his perspective changed because he was in the watchtower and it was in the watchtower that he, sense the Lord's presence in a very personal way. It was the presence of God that strengthened his core. In order for you and I to remain strong in our walk with Christ, we need to spend time in the watchtower in the presence of God and allow him to strengthen our core. Because if you do not, there's a price to pay, and I'll just say this that you know uh, one of our former youth, when Debbie and I were youth pastors in Chicago came up last week, and we were talking, and he he said, man i." This person and this person and this person. He said, I don't understand it. They're they've just checked out on God, man. They they've just checked out on him. I don't, I don't get it. Bo sent me an email last week. He said, This dude, we both know. He's a pastor. He's saying, I don't believe in the credibility of the Old Testament. I just don't believe it. And so the conversation is what's happening? What's happening? And I my initial response is people are not reading the Bible. Followers of Christ are not reading the Bible. They're allowing the the messaging of our culture to influence them to undermine that relationship and anytime you do not have an investment in a relationship, that relationship suffers. Habakkuk changed and this morning God wants to change you and he wants to change me. We desperately need it. And so Andy, Andrew, uh, talks about She's a baker, and she loves making chocolate chip cookies. And she said, man, I like it when we real, use real chocolate. And she says, I've substituted the real chocolate for the phony stuff, but they don't taste the same. And all your bakers out there know, right? And she said, that reminded me of the fact that one morning I woke up recently with this thought in my head, there is no substitute for the presence of God. She said, it just kept going over and over in my head. God's presence, man, is the one thing for which there is no substitute. And David, in Psalm 24, 7, put it this way. Here's the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house finding the sweet loveliness of his face filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in every prayer. Mm. God's presence is one thing that brings peace to our storms, answers to our questions, freedom to our minds, and identity to our fractured hearts. We must choose to make ourselves aware of his unending presence in our lives and to bring our pain to him because he is our healer. He, you cannot earn his presence on, be, uh, on, on the cross. Jesus made a way for us to have access to the Father at all times. It's the in the acknowledgement of his presence that he imparts his perspective, causing us to soar above our issues as we find Healing in his arms, the safest place we can be. So in our personal journey to freedom, there's no substitutes for God's presence. There's other substitutes out there, of course, you know, distractions that become addictions in order to dull our pain. Oh, Alcohol, drug abuse, food addictions, nightlife, work, perfection, performance, and so on. However, as crazy as it sounds, feeling pain is essential to finding out what needs healing in our lives. Our distractions tend to replace our face-to-face time with the Father who has the desire, ability, and power to search our hearts and help us face our pain and be healed. We have to stop trying to mask our pain with counterfeits and simply be with Him. It is in His presence that we can be healed and begin to thrive. Habakkuk was changed because he rested in the presence of God in the midst of his country falling apart. And he was okay with it. Not passive. But because he had spent time in in God's presence, that, that was... That was poured into him to gird him up from the inside out. Number two, number two. Habakkuk was changed, sing, 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 sing. Verse one, this prayer, this prayer that consumes chapter three was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. Chapter 3 is a prayer from Habakkuk to God. And usually when I talk to God, I talk to him. I don't sing to him. Do you? But, but, dot, 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 there are times I sing to him. That's why I like the book of Psalm. Because those are, a lot of those psalms are music, you know. Uh, if you realize over the over the decades how so many worship songs come out of, they're identical to psalms in the book. They're worship songs, prayer songs. And that's why even Psalm 104, I read this the other day. Do you realize, man, I've got a bunch of verses here that I've read this past week that just, they're, they're exploding inside me. Because God's talking, man. He's talking. And and this I read a couple days ago, and it relates to singing with Habakkuk. Psalm 104, 33. Boom. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise my God to my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Isn't that good? So I will sing to the Lord as long. Man, that, that, and I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it, man. There, there is something about singing with gusto. You know? I'm telling you, there is something, there is something profound inside a man and woman who sing with everything they have. It's powerful. Because it takes your eyes off your crises and puts your eyes back on God. That's exactly what happened to Habakkuk. He sang. He said, I got to sing, man. He talked to himself. I have to sing. I was reminded of... When our first four, maybe Devin was around too, I can't remember. Uh, they were little and our, we were going through some challenging times. I, I'll just leave it at that, from the outside. And it was impacting our kids. And um, there was a song that we would sing. It was a CD and we'd crank it up in our house. And all of us, mom and dad and the kids, would sing and we'd march around the house singing it. And it was therapeutic because the weight wanted to destroy and crush. And so we pushed back. I will sing. And so let's play it. to go on a search-and-destroy mission to find that song, man. Remember that? Dude, there is something about cranking the music and singing it to God. And I tell you what, that held us together as a family. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Because God has given us tremendous music to worship him. And his people don't take advantage of it. Now, I'm gonna tell you this a little secret, but isn't it interesting? The 8:30 gathering, you're on time. Why is it to 10 o'clock people are always late? Huh? Why is that? Why is it that God's body does not put priority on singing praise to him? You're being robbed. Because that is empowering your inner man, your inner woman. And you're telling God how great he is, man. And he deserves it. And so what kind of music are you listening to? You know, What are you going to sleep by? What are the lyrics that go through your head? I'm telling you, Habakkuk had his CD cranking in the watchtower. And he told God how great he was. I, I just don't, I, I, I'm talking to the choir here. Maybe you can encourage your peers to be here on time because there's something about disciplining yourself and being on time to be able to sing praises to God First Chronicles twenty nine eleven. It's not on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. First Chronicles. Twenty nine eleven yours, O oh God, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Isn't that good? Resigning yourself to the fact that God is over all things. I'm good with that. In 1 Peter 1, 8, 9. So these are a a few verses, man, that just kind of smacked me upside the head this past week. You love him. God even though you have never seen him though you do not see him now you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls friends there are casualties Spiritual casualties because God's people are not spending time in his presence. This is a warning shot. Not I I believe it's from the Lord to you. God does not want you to be a casualty. God does not want you to be compromised. God does not want you to reflect the character of the world. I was thinking about the sons of Issachar in First Chronicles twelve thirty-two. It's a tribe, two hundred of their leaders. It says, All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. All of these men understood the signs of the times. When you stay out of God's presence, you do not understand the days and times we're living in. You do not have a grip on it. You know what the, the latest song is. You know what the latest fad is. You know what's on Facebook. You know, all that hot stuff. That really doesn't matter. And in James one twenty seven, this hit me. I read this Friday morning. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who, who mocked his half-brother when he was growing up, who didn't believe him to be the Son of God, finally had an encounter and said, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. He wrote this and said, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. The world wants to corrupt you. Satan wants to take you out. He wants you to be a casualty. And James is saying that we have to be intentional about refusing. We have to to refuse. We have to... Deny that opportunity of the world to corrupt us. And so this morning, I just want to encourage all of us. Number one, let God change you because you've spent time in His presence. And number two, take advantage of singing to the Lord. Make excuses why. to do that. Be proactive in doing that. And I believe this morning the Spirit of God has been speaking to you. He's been speaking to me. What is He saying to you? And Lord, in the quietness of this Sunday morning, these these minutes that we've invested with you will never get back again. And so, Lord, I believe you're speaking to us. Your Holy Spirit is speaking to us. that makes a person commit to meeting with you. Instead of their time running them, they run their time. They choose to take time in your presence. What is it, Lord, that makes that happen? Will you make that happen today, Lord? just today, but every day. I'm going to need you more tomorrow, Tuesday. the difference maker. I pray, Lord, for every man and woman, young person, child in this room right now, that there would be a spiritual awakening. good